Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The scripture this morning comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Some of you know that I enjoy playing the guitar and and writing songs on occasion, but one of the things that I got into uh, a a few years back, uh, really heavily into, was the process of recording music. Uh, Learning the music studio is almost kind of like a separate instrument. You find a way to capture a certain type of sound and manipulate sounds, and and it's, it's really really a cool process. But as I got more into that, uh, I decided that I wanted to record other people. And so uh, about five years ago, I I met this band um, that uh, these guys that were fresh out of high school, and uh, they were looking to record some music, to cut a demo. And I wanted the experience of doing that. So I got to work with them. And it was really neat watching them learn these things that I already knew. It was really neat watching them discover things about musicians in the past, bands in the past who had done things uh, and or written things. And it was like I was able to hear music through their ears for the first time. I was able to discover things again through them as they discovered these things that I had discovered years earlier. It was a really neat thing to watch. They were coming into their own by looking at the fundamentals of something I had already been through. Now, that is kind of the purpose of this sermon series that we've been on these past few uh, weeks. We've been talking about the means of grace. You see, what is at the root of our faith, what is at the root of Christianity is God's grace. And so we want to to encounter that grace as much as we can. We want to, to learn from that grace and grow from it and let that grace shape us as much as it possibly can. And so we we get back to the root of what is grace and how do we encounter it. And as Methodists, we are the Methodist uh, tradition here, we go back to the root of John Wesley, who looked at grace and said that there are means of grace. There are these vehicles that grace comes to us through. And so that's what we've been talking about. But even John Wesley, he saw that there was a root 
to the root. He said that you have these means of grace and, and things like Holy Communion and gathering and fasting. All of that is great for experiencing God's grace. It's a means of grace. But at the root of it all is the Holy Scriptures, encountering the Scriptures because that's where we learn what grace really is. John Wesley had this way of discerning things, deciding things, big decisions in his life. It's been, it's been called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, uh, but it was basically, um, he, he said, everything you do should be filtered through four things, scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. But he said of all of those, scripture was the most important. You bring your tradition, you bring your experience, you bring your reason in, but you hold it all up to Scripture. And so he tried to make all decisions in his life based on what he felt like the Scripture was uh, leading him to do. John Wesley was very well read. It was said that he read several, several books every single week, and it wasn't just on religion. He would always read about science. He would read about the arts. He would read about advances in medicine. He would read literature. But despite all of his reading, he called himself a man of one book because he said that everything he read, everything that he took in, everything he tried to learn from, it was all filtered through Scripture. That held precedence in his life. When we read this passage that I just read, Paul is saying the same thing about Scripture. Paul is writing here a letter to Timothy, who's kind of like his protege. Timothy is a, a younger pastor who's coming up, who's trying to lead the church. And Paul is telling him some, some things that he needs to know to prepare his heart for ministry, to prepare his life for ministry. And the first thing he says in this passage is you will be persecuted. There's no getting around that. He says, Timothy... If you're going to live out God's word in your life, if you're going to live out God's will in your life, you're going to get some pushback. You're going to get some persecution because the world does not think like God does. The worldly culture is not like God's instruction. And so if you want to live out the way God is calling you to live your life, you're going to get pushback from the world. You're going to get Persecution, you're going to get people saying that you're wrong. You see, the world who doesn't know Christ doesn't know God's love for us, doesn't know how powerful it is, how transformational it is, doesn't know how God's grace can, can shape us and how it invites us into this, this transformational new thing that God wants us to experience. The world who does not know better thinks of the Bible as one of two things. They either think of it as fictional. It's, it's a good book, but it's a bunch of fiction. It's fairy tales. Or they think of it as just a good book with some good stuff in it. But see, that's the thing. The Bible isn't just this good book that's meant to make us feel good about things, that has some good stuff in it. The Bible is meant to challenge us and equip us. And most of all, it gives us a glimpse of God's grace. And it calls us into that grace for the sake of transformation. And other people who don't understand that, the world, the culture, the unbelieving world will look at that and say it's foolishness. And they will persecute you for not believing what they believe. 
And that's what Paul starts off by saying here to Timothy. He says, you're going to be persecuted. Go ahead and get familiar with that idea. Now, in the church, sometimes we don't even want to hear that. We want to be in the church. We want to feel good about who we are within the church. Well, I come to church. I sing songs. I'm involved in missions. I'm a good person. Why do I need to really listen to what the Bible has to say about stuff? Well, week after week, I get up here, and, and sort of the, the central focus of the service, if, if you think about it, it happens right in the very middle of the worship service. The Bible is read. Scripture is read. And then I say, this is the Word of God for you, the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. Right. And you wouldn't say that if you didn't believe it. Hopefully. What we are saying is that we are the people of God. God has called us into this fold. God has called us into this relationship with him. And he has given us this to live by and to learn by and to grow by. And so we read it and we proclaim it together because we want it to shape us. We want this to inform us and not anything else. So Paul tells Timothy Hold on to the scriptures that you have learned as a child. Timothy was fortunate. He grew up in a Christian home where he learned the scriptures at an early age, and he grew up in them. Not all of us are that fortunate. Not all of us grew up hearing the scriptures or being shaped by them. But it's never too late. It's never too late to dive into the grace that God invites us into. And it's never too late to encounter that grace here in the written word of God. But just as Timothy had grown up in it, Paul says, continue to go in it. Continue to grow in it. It's not enough just to hear it and learn it. Continue to allow these scriptures to shape you. Continue to remember them and recall them and, and dwell on them. When we talk about meditating on Scripture, that word for meditating is the same word that was, that was used for how a cow chews its food. And if you know anything about cattle, they chew their food, they chew their grass, and they swallow it, and they digest it, and then they regurgitate it, and they chew it again. Now think about that with Scripture. What does it mean to take Scripture and to chew on it, to reflect on it, to digest it, and then to bring it back up later and to reflect on it some more. That is what Paul is calling Timothy to do. Don't just learn it one time. Don't just look at this as something you learned in your childhood. Let this be something that continues to shape you, that continues to challenge your life. And he tells Timothy, you've learned the scriptures. What, what are the scriptures that Timothy would have learned? Well, obviously, at this point in time, the Bible was not bound together and compiled in one book. The sacred scriptures Paul was talking about would have been the laws, the prophets, the psalms, the books of wisdom, and even some of the gospels that were already circulating. And what Paul says is all of this is God-breathed. All of this works together. All of this paints one big story, one big picture that tells you who God is. All of this scripture that you've learned your whole life, Timothy, it all comes together. And it's all useful. 
It all continues to build you back up and set you on the right path. Now, there's a few things that we, we know about the Scripture. First of all, it is a sword. It is a weapon. Uh, we are told in, in the book of Ephesians that the, the sword of the, it's called the sword of the Spirit. Uh, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, don't mishear this. That doesn't mean that the Scripture becomes a weapon to go attack people with. It doesn't become something that we hit people over the head with. That's not at all what this means. The sword of the Spirit fights against the darkness that is in the world. It helps you to fight against the darkness in the world. Let me give you some examples. You think, what I've done, God can never forgive me. I can never be forgiven for this. And so you become riddled with shame and with guilt. And you start to doubt yourself. You start to doubt your own salvation. Well, the sword of the Spirit tells us as far as the east is from the west, God can remove your sins, your transgressions from you. You may think, I'm unlovable. Nobody could ever love me. After some of the things that I've done or after what I've been through, maybe I just can't be loved. Well, the Word of God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Maybe you feel like damaged goods. Maybe you don't feel like you have much to offer. Maybe you feel untalented, unwanted, whatever it may be. The Word of God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, the Word of God helps us to fight against these lies that the world throws at us, that our own guilt and intrusive thoughts throw at us, that the enemy throws at us. We've been given a way to fight it back with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. But like I said, this isn't a weapon to be used for us to attack others with. In fact, this isn't our weapon at all. This is the sword of the Spirit. Meaning, it's like one of those swords when you don't know how to sword fight, it fights for itself. And it can help us. It can help us to pray when we don't know how to pray. The scriptures lead us. When we don't know where to go, the scriptures lead us. But the Hebrews tells us the word of God is powerful and it's a two-edged sword, meaning it cuts both ways. It doesn't just cut into the darkness. It does that. And it defends us and it helps us fight and it cuts into the darkness. But it cuts this way too, meaning we have to be okay with it wounding us sometimes when we need to be challenged, when we need to be wounded or instructed by it, the, the Word of God gets really uncomfortable sometimes because it's not our Word. We don't make it what we want it to be. It cuts both ways. And that's what Paul says here to Timothy. This Word of God that you've learned, these Scriptures that you have learned, they are there for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. And that's what grace does. Grace doesn't just pat you on the head and say, everything's good. Grace challenges you. Grace points out where you need to change, where you need to grow, and then it allows you to do so. Scripture isn't just a sword. It's, it's also a light. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet 
and a light to my path. What does it mean when we say that the word of God is a light? Well, it means a few things. First of all, the idea of light, it, it, it brings clarity, right? So it brings understanding. Do you remember those old cartoons where somebody would have an idea, something would click, there'd be an epiphany, and what would happen? A light bulb would appear over their head, right? That's, that's the idea that something has become clear, something has been revealed to us. And the Word of God does that for us. There have been many times where I've been reading it, and all of a sudden something comes into focus, something becomes clear that I didn't even think about. Oh, I didn't realize that. Bing! Light bulb. Now, if we start putting this together, when we think about some things here, I said it's a sword. I said it's a light. You put those things together. Do, do I have to spell this out for you? What, what is that? It's a lightsaber, yeah. We are Jedi in training. Yeah, there we go. Luke with his lightsaber. So when I say get out your lightsabers, here we go. This is the sword of the spirit, but it's also the light that lights up our path. It provides light for us when we are walking in darkness, when we have lost hope, when we don't know where to go. The word of God speaks and it finds us there and it lights the path up for us. And the amazing thing about the word of God is that no matter where we are in our lives, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what we're going through, God's light can shine on us from it. It's like a gemstone that you hold up and you see the light coming through. And you can turn it one way and you see some light and you say, wow, that's beautiful. Well, you can turn it at another angle. Oh, that's beautiful too. And you can come back to the scriptures over and over and over again in your life. And from a different angle, you keep seeing the light hit you at different times and in different places. And it always meets you right where you are because God is always trying to shine that light into your life. And into your heart. So the word of God becomes for us a sword to defend us from the lies of darkness. But it also becomes a light that burns away that darkness. And most importantly, the word of God is Jesus Christ put in text. We call this the word of God, but, but the scriptures also tell us that Jesus was the word made flesh. You see, God gave us the law. He gave us the prophets. He gave us all of the books of wisdom, and people still didn't get it. And so he said, let me send my son, and this will be the word made flesh, and all the things that I have said before will be fulfilled in him, and you will see what this really means because it will be lived out in Jesus. And he became the word made flesh. Well, the opposite is true as well. This is the word that testifies of who he is. Just as Jesus demonstrates what this means, this shows us who he is. And so the word made flesh becomes text here for us. And it's no wonder that John Wesley said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. People will say they know Jesus, but they don't know the scripture. People will say they have a relationship with Jesus, but they never open up the scriptures. 
People will say they know what Jesus is doing in their lives and how Jesus is calling them to live, but, but they, they never turn to the scriptures to see how God might be wanting to speak to them through it. And John Wesley said that's not possible. You cannot know Jesus and be ignorant of the scriptures. But if you do want to know Jesus, if you do want to encounter Christ, if you do want to encounter the grace of God in a way that challenges you and transforms you and moves you into this, this holy relationship, you can experience it right here. Coming off of every page is that light, the light of Christ inviting you into his perfect love. As I said to the children, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. He gave the world this broken, hurting, aching, dark, dirty, dying world, his son. And you better believe that if he did that, he's going to let us know about it. That's what the Bible is. It's a love letter from God to us. It's a testimony of what God did through Jesus Christ. And it's an invitation to receive his grace, to walk in his grace, and to grow in his grace. As I've said each week that we've been in this series, John Wesley said there are three types of grace. There's the prevenient grace. That's, that's that hunger that, that brings you in. There's the justifying grace where you realize you need a Savior and you're forgiven. But ever after that is the sanctifying grace where you are continuing to be shaped and taught and instructed and corrected. And all of that happens when we meditate on the Word of God, when we sink deeply into it. And that's what Paul said. He said it's for teaching, it's for reproof, it's for correction and training so that the person of God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. Three times in Scripture, we're told that God breathed something. He breathed humanity into existence on the day of creation. He breathed into the disciples who were gathered there at Pentecost and the church was born. And here it tells us that the Word of God is the breathed Word of God of God. If we are wise, we will come to it over and over again. We will recognize it as the source of God's life and God's truth. It is a fountain. It is a fountain of wisdom, a fountain of love, and a fountain of grace. May we drink from it often. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that your word cuts deep. We thank you that it defends us against the lies that may be levied at us, the hurtful things that may be said about us or to us, for the things that would try to devalue us and cripple us. Your word defends us against that. But we also thank you that your word will challenge us and will cause us to look inward and see how it is you're calling us to grow in new ways, calling us to be healed, calling us to be transformed 
so that we can be the people that you created us to be. Every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us are loved deeply by you, Lord. So let us live into what it is you're calling us into. And let your word be the vehicle through which we encounter your grace and we encounter that transformation. May that be so for all of us, Lord. Let us encounter your grace more deeply. Let us hold on to your words, dive into them more thoroughly, and reflect on them so that you can have your way in us. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, of whom these words testify. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love, go to serve, go in peace. Amen.